Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. The International Fellowship of Christians and Jews is calling on all friends of Israel to show their support today. At a time when terrorism and anti-Semitism are at an all-time high, the Jewish people need strong friends like you who will proudly say, I stand for Israel. Go to www.ifcj.org slash blaze to claim your free U.S.-Israeli flag pin today. Wear it as a strong symbol of your solidarity, faith, and resolve. ifcj.org slash blaze. In 2009, the President of the United States announced at a press conference in Turkey. One of the great strengths of the United States is, although as I mentioned, uh, we have a very large Christian population, we do not consider ourselves a Christian nation or a Jewish nation or a Muslim nation. We consider ourselves a nation of citizens. That statement would no doubt come as quite a surprise for the founders like John Adams, who declared... The general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I then believed and now believe that these general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God himself. End quote. The author of the Constitution of the United States, James Madison, said, quote, Religion is the basis and foundation of government. End quote author, world-renowned historian, and founder of Wall Builders, David Barton. Today, there's a push from courts and academics to claim that America was inherently secular in its origins at the time of its founding. A current book by two Cornell University professors seems to say this belief with its ridiculous title, The Godless Constitution. The founding fathers would vehemently disagree. George Washington, in his farewell address, said that religion and morality were our indispensable political supports and that he would not allow anyone to call himself a patriot if he tried to exclude religion from public political life. These founding principles were stated over and over again by most of America's founders. It was reaffirmed in 1854 by Congress. From the Journal of the House of Representatives, quote, The great, vital, and conservative element in our system is the belief of our people in the pure doctrines and the divine truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ, end quote. And just as John Adams avowed that America was founded on the principles of Christianity, so too did many other founders. Noah Webster, who's responsible for Article 1, Section 8, Paragraph 8 of the U.S. Constitution, he stated that, quote, the religion which has introduced civil liberty is the religion of Christ and his apostles, and to this we owe our free constitution to government, end quote. And by the United States Supreme Court in 1892, in the case of the Church of the Holy Trinity versus the United States, when the highest court in the land ruled, quote, from the discovery of this continent to the present hour, there is a single voice making this affirmation, that this is a Christian nation, end quote. In today's society, the prevailing theory among progressives is that the Supreme Court rulings are, quote, settled law, end quote. Does that only apply to rulings with which they agree? In 1905, one of the justices of that court, Supreme Court Justice David Brewer, explained the ruling further in his book, The United States, A Christian Nation. He wrote that, quote, the Christian duty of citizens in America is to ensure the advancement of the nation under biblical and Christian principles, end quote. He further argued that, quote, civilization is dependent on the advocacy of Christianity 
and the degree that citizens are willing to advocate these principles to the degree that they and the nation will be blessed, end quote. Finally, Justice Brewer argued that the world will be blessed, not primarily through material advances, but through allegiance to the principles of Christ that transforms the individual, the family, the nation, and the world. Still, coming as they did from a place where the citizens had to belong to the official state religion, where people could be fined or even jailed for not paying tithes to the state religion or attending services on the Sabbath, religious freedom was so paramount to them that the founders made it the first principle in the First Amendment of the United States Constitution, even before freedom of speech. The Establishment Clause states very simply but eloquently, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Period. That's it. In its entirety. It says nothing about favoring, granting equal time to, not displaying religious symbols or praying in public or on government property, including schools. What it does say is that Congress cannot pass a law that establishes a state religion, nor can the government or anyone else force others to worship in a certain way. That is why the United States became the first nation in history to abolish religious disqualifications from office holding and civil engagement. They wanted to make sure that if you were Jewish or Muslim or atheist, you could still serve and there would be no penalty for not adhering to a certain religion. It did not mean that America was not founded on Christian Judeo principles. It clearly was. And Declaration Signer Benjamin Rush likewise declared, quote, I have always considered Christianity as the strong ground of republicanism, end quote. In 1800, Congress approved the use of the Capitol building as a church. Both chambers approved the measure with the president of the Senate, Thomas Jefferson, giving the approval in that chamber. So with such historical documents, no wonder President Harry Truman declared, this is a Christian nation. And by the way, even Woodrow Wilson agreed that, quote, America was born a Christian nation, end quote. What about the separation of church and state, some say? That is not contained in the Constitution, but it was a phrase written by Thomas Jefferson. Throughout his terms as both vice president and president, Jefferson attended church at the Capitol, including January 3rd, 1802, just two days after writing his infamous letter in which he penned the phrase, the wall of separation between church and state, to a Baptist minister in Connecticut. The U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C. was completed in November of 1800, and on December 4th of that year, Congress decided to use the largest room in the Capitol, the Hall of the House of Representatives, as the location for weekly Sunday worship services at the Capitol. Now, the fact that the Capitol was available for church services on Sunday was due to the Article 1, Section 7 constitutional requirement that forbade federal lawmaking on Sundays. And by the way, this recognition of a Christian Sabbath in the U.S. Constitution was long cited by federal courts as proof of the Christian nature of America. This fact alone shows how misguided the claims of this wall of separation are. Thomas Jefferson meant that there should never be a state religion that would prevent Baptists or anyone else from worshiping as they saw fit. The Establishment Clause 
was a protection for religion. It was never intended as a protection for the state from religion. The fact is, the first act of the first Congress on this continent was a call for prayer on September 6, 1774, and an invitation to a pastor to offer the prayer. On May 16, 1776, the Continental Congress appointed an official National Day of Fasting and Prayer for the colonies. The proclamation read, The Congress desirous to have people of all ranks and degrees duly impressed with a solemn sense of God's superintending providence and of their duty devoutly to rely on His aid and direction do earnestly recommend Friday, the 17th of May, to be observed by the colonies as a day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer, that we may, with united hearts, confess and bewail our manifold sins and transgressions, and by sincere repentance and amendment of life appease God's righteous displeasure, and through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, obtain His pardon and forgiveness. The Continental Congress on September 11, 1777, ordered the importation of 20,000 Bibles for the American troops. The cash-strapped, in fact, nearly bankrupt Continental Congress saw fit to spend what meager funds they had on obtaining 20,000 Bibles and put them into the hands of U.S. troops in their fight against Britain. That sounds like the actions of a Christian nation. Congress, after having approved the importation of Bibles, later decided to do something more. Under British law, it had been illegal to print English Bibles in America. Great Britain had a state-established church, and so it decided what Bibles we could and couldn't use. But with the American Revolution and America becoming free, we could now print Bibles here in America. So in 1781, Robert Aiken, the official printer to the Continental Congress, he petitioned Congress for permission to print Bibles on his presses right there in Philadelphia where Congress was located. He explained to Congress that his new Bible would be, quote, a neat edition of the Holy Scriptures for the use of schools, end quote, and Congress approved a congressional committee to watch over the project. In 1782, that Bible received the full approval of the full Congress and soon began rolling off the presses, and it had a congressional endorsement printed in the front of that Bible. It's now known as the Bible of the Revolution, and it was the first English-language Bible printed in America. One early historian observed, quote, Who will call in question the assertion that this is a Bible nation? Who will charge the government with indifference to religion when the first Congress of the States assumed all the rights and performed all the duties of a Bible society long before such an institution had an existence in the world? It was not until 31 years later the signer of the Declaration of Independence, Benjamin Rush, formed the nation's first Bible society. But decades before, Congress itself had led the way for Bibles in America. The Indispensable Man the man without whom America would not exist, and the only leader ever to be unanimously elected to the office of president, twice, George Washington, in his farewell address, summed up his gratitude to the Lord for his blessings on America this way. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor. Now, therefore, do I recommend that we might all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection, and also 
that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our nation and other transgressions to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue, end quote. Does that sound neutral? Does it sound irreligious to anyone? And how do you think the network news organization would respond to this speech from George Washington to Delaware Indian chiefs in June of 1779? Quote, You do well to wish to learn our arts and our ways of life, and above all, the religion of Jesus Christ. These will make you a greater and happier people than you are. Congress will do everything they can to assist you in this wise intention. End quote. Fortunately, the Freedom From Religion Foundation was still 199 years away from its formation. Or Washington may still be involved in trying to clear up the lawsuits resulting from that speech. In the next episode, we explore what Christians around the world are enduring today. Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You looking to sell your home? At realestateagentsitrust.com. Our goal is to ease the stress of home selling by helping you sell your home as quickly as possible at the best price possible. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and I want to thank you. In just the last few months, thousands of Blaze Radio listeners just like you have contacted our agents. So if you're thinking of selling your home or if you want help buying a home, go to realestateagentsitrust.com and let our individually selected agents earn your business. realestateagentsitrust.com.